Welcome to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Milach Saperstein, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about balance, not only about actual physical balance, like how we make our body in space, but also a lot of different ways that we can balance how we show up in the world for our kids, for our patients, for our students. And I have with me a very special guest, Michelle Riddle from British Columbia, that's in Canada. <laughs> for those of you who are from New York like me, just joking, and don't necessarily know your geography. Anyway, Michelle Riddle is an occupational therapist and also a registered holistic nutritionist, and she is going to share with us about a very interesting triad, like a three-part paradigm. So let's welcome Michelle to the show. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, hi. My name is Michelle Riddle. I'm an occupational therapist and registered holistic nutritionist. Um, I am an instructor at Vancouver Island University, and my passion is brain development. Uh, I have a company called Resilient Health, and the goal is to be able to help people, especially our kids, uh, develop in the way that is the best for themselves to achieve their potential and, and bring that forward throughout their life. Thank you so much for having me here today. This is, this is really exciting. Yeah, the, the, the visual vestibular auditory triad, so there's the, the three-part series there, um, is necessary for us to be able to process information and to learn. And uh, it's a really interesting um, group of, of sensory organs um, because uh, we have our eyes that are, are taking in the information from um, what we're seeing in our environment, but they also have muscles. And how the eyes move in space determines how we perceive what we're looking at, how we can track visually, how we can judge distances. Uh, then we have our, our ears for hearing, um, also for registering vibration. And then in the inside of our ears, we have um, the vestibular system. And this system is a wonderful system that ties that whole triad together. Um, so with that triad, we, we need it to be able to control movement. Uh, we need it to be able to figure out where we are in space uh, to give us a three-dimensional view of the world. Uh, also to feel secure and stable. Uh, when our body is, is dealing with gravity all the time, if we're not in control of our postural muscles, our, our brain senses that there's something kind of off. What are we doing? How do we manage this? So there, there, there can be an emotional component as well uh, within this, this whole system. Um, the three um, units, so the, the, the visual system, the vestibular system, and the auditory system all share the eighth cranial nerve. And there needs to be noise from the vestibular system along this nerve for the brain to really process the information from all of these systems. Wow. So Okay, the, so yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And we're going to break that it down. We're going to break that down. Let's start from the beginning. First of all, what is an occupational therapist? For those who don't know, exactly, specifically, I think a lot of people think, oh, OT will help you hold a pencil. OT, right, the OT will... Um, help children who have low muscle tone, like maybe those are things that are commonly known about OT, but actually we are big fans of interdisciplinary care. And there's a lot of overlap between audiologists 
and speech pathologists for sure. Those are super close. We're always talking about communication. And, but we also have a big relationship together with OTs and PTs for the vestibular system, the balance of how our, how our bodies can stay stable. So let's start there. A little bit about OT and then how, how that ties in with vestibular care. Yeah, one of, one of the, well, occupational therapy is um, really a, a profession where we deal with people being occupied, doing things. Um, from the, the moment we come into the world, we are constantly doing stuff. And uh, so that's what our whole profession is based on, is the idea that people want to be productive. Whether you're young, young, or whether you're older, you want to be doing things that have an impact. Um, and so part of that is processing the information that comes into the body. So the sensory processing, and that's a specialty area of occupational therapy. And uh, with that, um, we really look a lot at this triad, uh, because we deal with the information that we see, information that we hear, and then how we manage our body in space or how we balance uh, information with the vestibular system. Got it. And then that would be differentiated from physical therapy, which is more functional, how we use our muscles and bones, let's say. Yeah, so a really good example would be, um, say you have a, an adult who's had a stroke and they have um, challenges with one of their arms. Um, so the physiotherapist will work on range of motion with that arm, so getting the elbow to bend. The occupational therapist would look on the task of how to brush teeth. So can I grasp the toothbrush? Do I need a wrap around my hand? Do I have the spatial awareness to get this toothbrush into my mouth? Right? So, so we, look at, we look at the function of, of how that task can be brought forward. That's very helpful. <laughs> You're the first OT we've had on the show, which is actually something that, that I've, uh, I really like bringing on other, I've had a lot of audiologists, clearly, <laughs> but also I like bringing on people who come from a different perspective and a different point of view, and yet we're all working towards getting, you know, we're all kind of working to the same goal. So tell me about the kind of the kind of work that you do, the kind of patients you work yeah, so my, my work um, right now is, is specializing um, mainly with, with kids, and uh, I'm looking at um, the, the issue of how they're coping um, in the, the world that is really full of, of toxins right now and, and a few other things that, that can impact development. Um, so that's my, that's my primary focus uh, is the, the um, environmental component of, of health, um, especially in relation to developing brains uh, for our kids right now. Developing brains is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> Because it is, it is just, it blo I mean, it blows my mind. It, um, speaking of brains, <laughs> it's, it's like you take this tiny, tiny human that just was alive for four seconds and they're already developing and growing neurons at an alarming rate. <laughs> and then it just keeps going from there. Like watching children learn in real time is the joy for me. <laughs> the thing that I find such a really a, a professional motivator is that our bodies are so adaptable. Um, they're 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 programmed to come forward in these wonderful, amazing ways, and when we put in the right ingredients, they manage to do just that. Um, so that's that's the thing that's super exciting, um, and that's the thing that that is really very. Um, 
interesting in this this day and age because when we can really focus on those good ingredients and and keeping out the things uh, that cause damage to cells or cause inflammation um, the kids function so much better uh, when their bodies are left to do what they need to do wow um, recently we had an episode that we were focusing on trauma and how experiences can affect the brain development and the uh, emotional reactions, the limbic system getting hijacked by this overstimulation. And so, and in some of what you do and what you're talking about is actually like what the physical input, like food and I don't know, whatever other toxins you want to mention, <laughs> there's a long list, like all, the, long th list, yeah. all the things that yeah. we're exposed to and how that can physically affect the development of, you know, neurodevelopment. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it all counts, you know, and, and that's the that's the thing that, that can feel overwhelming is that, yeah, there's so much out there. So it could be the chemicals, it could be trauma, it could be certain experiences. There, there's, you know, that's called epigenetics. That's the all of the things that interact with, with our body. Um, but the nice thing with that is that you can, you know, it all counts. So making small changes uh, can make a really big difference. Um, so when you take a look at um, chemicals, so say um, you live in, in a, uh, an apartment and within that apartment there's carpet and there's plastics and there, you know a lot of things that off gas, uh, so there's chemicals in the air. Well, there, there's a couple of ways to, to deal with that, to reduce the, the load on these growing bodies. I mean, you can, if you live near where there, there's you know, good airflow, so by the water or by trees, you can open a window. Um, if you live by a highway and that's not as easy to do, um, you can put in an air filtration system or you can get some really great air filtering plants uh, for the apartment. So, so there are a lot of very simple strategies to really lower that um, chemical exposure uh, that these kids have. Um, and, uh, and it can be um, as simple as opening a window. Well, it's really good to take... Uh to reject an all or nothing kind of like, well, if I can't be vegan and live off the grid, then that's, you know, then whatever, <laughs> I can't do anything. Like, all right, we're just gonna take it in. Like there's, there's definitely gradients and places where we can cut things out or change the environment in simple ways to make those changes. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah, there sure are. So with the with balance in the vestibular system, um, the vestibular system is is really really interesting um, because we, and when we talk about being able to target one one area, so if you have a hearing impairment uh, and um, you possibly have a visual impairment as well, uh, you can still function really well when the vestibular system is engaged. Uh, so um, it, it's, it's lovely within that triad because you, when you have that foundational process in place, there's a lot that can happen. Um, and kids do this naturally. So, so when, when their vestibular system is not functioning well, they move a lot. They're trying to get it going. They're, you know, they're shifting, they're moving, they're, they're trying to get that system stimulated. 
or they're floppy, they're lying down, they're, they're on the ground a lot, um, their body flops over. Um, so they get, again, stimulation through that system, they can process information a bit better. Um, and uh, that, that's something that for parents, um, knowing that that's what they're doing when they've got a lot of movement going on or when they're really floppy, can be really helpful because um, it, it's tempting to say, well, sit up straight, you know, stand up. Like, you know, so letting the kids be able to move to stimulate the vestibular system means that they'll be thinking clearer. They'll be making sense of the information a bit better. Um, and I'm going to give you a bit of an example. So my, my daughter um, was born with a, a hearing impairment and a visual impairment. And uh, she also had... Uh, sensory uh, challenges as well. And for her, uh, she moved all the time. She had to move in order to think. And when you'd ask her to be still, it was actually anxiety provoking for her because she couldn't process the information. Um, so we were fortunate enough to start doing some work um, with rhythm and movement. And for her, that's been the, the the ticket through her life is being able to bring that forward and she uses techniques um, by just adding some vibration in her body which stimulates the vestibular system um, she'll add a bit of rocking motion for herself to as she's talking uh, to bring that information forward uh, so it's it's really um, exciting to be able to do that um, that's fascinating i have to shout out my mom who is yeah. a teacher with so many years of experience and one of the things that she implements and talks about a lot is that she sometimes does the spelling test for her third graders and she'll let them just lie down on the carpet in the classroom. And she's like, you want to be on your belly and write your, your words, like be it, be anywhere you want. Like just, you know, let's do the spelling bee or whatever the spelling test, but you don't have to sit in your chair for the whole time. And then that takes also some of the pressure off, but I think it also engages this, this whole system that's like, you know, I'm, I can think and I can access information because I'm not like uh, overwhelmed by this stiffness. Yeah, and, and, and what happens is that the, the vestibular system is, is always sending information to the brain on where you are in space. And if it doesn't have a good grasp of postural control, if your brain's not hearing the signals from that system clearly, uh, then your body's going to either you know, get you down on the ground <laughs> where you're safe and secure or going to move you more so that the brain hears the noise through the system. You need to have that noise uh, coming for your eyes and ears to process information. I had, um, I, I, I do an energy management course in, in schools and there was this one, sorry, I do energy management uh, in schools and uh, there was this one uh, boy who really wasn't able to focus. And so I suggested that the kids could take any position they wanted to see if they could find one that helped them pay attention. So he put himself on his chair backwards. He flopped himself down, head down towards the ground, his legs up over the back of the chair and found doing that, he was able to focus for like 20 minutes. And he naturally knew to do that position, right? It was extreme. Um, but for him, his, his brain just really wasn't hearing that vestibular system at all. And uh, so turning up the volume was enough to allow him to focus and process the information. Yeah. And I think we also see this in, in neurotypical kids who just like spinning. That's just like an, an enjoyable experience and like they want to induce that spinning and induce the dizziness 
and then they fall and it's funny and they laugh and they do it again and again and again. And you're like, why is this a fun game? <laughs> why are yeah. we going in circles? Yeah. But yeah. you know, even that can be an engaging way to just be in your body as a kid, which yeah. is like that freedom to just do whatever works. Yeah. So, I love that yeah. term, be in your body, right? Yeah. Uh, and that that's, that's huge with turning the system on because it allows you to experience your body as it, as it relates to space. Mm. And when you know where your body is, you don't get up and accidentally knock over somebody's papers or their drink, or, you know, you, you don't bump into mm. somebody as you're trying to stand in line. The clumsiness. Um, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I love this, this kind of conversation because one person's, Oh, that kid is so clumsy is another person's let's uh, evaluate their vestibular system. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, okay, what's going on here? And can right. we stimulate it enough so that that clumsiness starts to go away? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And just seeing things for, for like the, what's the root cause? What's underlying this? What other factors are affecting it? And the education that make, you know what? I'm just feeling inspired right now. <laughs> Hey, because, yay. yeah, like sometimes I get the chills about how exciting it is that we learn stuff that's like super sciencey and technical and like the vestibular ocular arc and how we see and our eyes move based on how we move our head. Like, it's like, it's very tedious <laughs> at times yeah. when you're going to go into it. Yeah. But then you come and get this bird's eye view of like, this matters for your kids functioning yeah. in life and how they're functioning with other kids, being able to learn. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, and that, and that's such a great example. Um, because when you're, you, you're trying to copy something off the board, mm. you know, you need that postural stability, like a tripod for a camera, um, in order to be able to go up and down smoothly and get your eyes to, to adjust in both places. You also need it to be able to track. And if you're not stable in your trunk or in your body, um, what happens is that, that you're not being able to track well, you're missing letters, you're missing words, you're missing details, and that gets really frustrating for these kids. Visually, you know, when the, the visual processing you're talking the about. Yeah, the visual processing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's much harder, um, and uh, and so again, these kids, there 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 are often um, implications around, you know, acting out or withdrawing from something. No, I don't want to do it, or or being a goof because you know this really was really hard, but I don't want anybody to know that. So you know, so I'm going to be be goofy and funny and and uh, distract from the thing that's hard for me. Totally, that's such an interesting and important conversation around behavior and what's underneath the behavior yeah 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 and like this whole paradigm that when you when you see a child that's quote-unquote misbehaving um what is it that you that you're expecting and then to look at you know not they're doing it because something happened before but they're actually maybe doing it in anticipation of what will happen like this yep. will be challenging or I'm going to mess up or I'm not going to succeed at this. Um, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the, the kind of treatment or treatment plans that you put into place. Like what can, what can people do? What are the things that you do to help support this important triad? Yeah. Um, so one of the, the really cool things that I, I use, and it's super simple. Um, so I use a brain processing um, and looking at the crossing of midline. 
Okay, so using your eyes to look at one hand and then look at the other hand. So you're just simply crossing midline. But you've got to stabilize your hand to follow that. And then you can, you can advance that by taking a ball, going across the middle of the ball from one hand to the other, and then back, and then the other end back. Now you add rhythm, right? Across and back and across. And you can do this with young, young kids. You can take a ball, pass it around a circle from me and to you, and me and to you. Um, when I do this training with, with groups of caregivers or, or service providers, um, I get the whole group up and I give them instructions like just follow the rhythm. So I just start clapping and walking. And what happens is that within about three seconds, everybody starts walking in a line. So rhythm regulates. It gives us that, okay, we have to be the same. We have to be a part of this. Everybody's all over the room, and then they fall immediately into a line and start moving with the same steps, the same cadence. The, you know, so using rhythm is a really big part of, of that. Bouncing balls. Um, you have to have balance. You have to have depth perception. You have to have muscle control. Um, so those are really simple tasks that can be done. You know about um, Dr. Bruce Perry in his work on uh, regulation and trauma. I saw a video he was talking about how hip hop and other very rhythm heavy kind of music is extraordinarily successful at regulating and keeping people yeah. in resilience and keeping them in, you know, not in dissociation, but again, like being in the body and how yeah. those kinds of like, if you, t if you do a dance class, if you do a, a, a drumming circle, like anything that's exactly this, this regulation. Yeah, it, it could that. be any, any form of music, any form of, of, of rhythm, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and this can be useful for kids, no matter what their, their level of hearing impairment is, um, and, and offering different ways if, if they do have um, significant tones of feeling that vibration and that rhythm as yeah, well. Yeah, because then they so. can get it from the sensory. Yeah. I, I always laugh about the, uh, the five senses that we learn about in school, you know, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your taste, your hands, and that's it. And it's like, wait a minute, what about proprioception? Yeah. <laughs> like how you are in space versus, you know, your hands and your feet versus the floor, your hands to each yeah. other. Yeah. Uh, and then there's more, that we have more senses than that. We do, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, so there's, there's, there's the proprioception, um, there's kinesthetic awareness. So the proprioception is, is where we, we move in relation to ourselves. The kinesthetic awareness is, is, is where we are in space, so how, how we align ourselves with the world around us. Um, and then we have interoception, um, which is the ability to perceive where we are in space without some of our senses giving us feedback. Um, so being able to close your eyes and walk forward without falling down. Um, that, that is, a, a, is interoception. So yeah, there, there's, there's lots of, of processing capacities that we have. And the, again, the vestibular system is a sensory system. And so we don't talk about it in the same sense as we do eyes and ears, but we really should because it, it is the foundation for all of those. Um, so the system itself is actually just, it's a set of three bones and they're all going in different angles. There's heavy fluid in those bones and there are little hairs. And so the, the, as we move, the fluid moves, it bends the hairs and that tells us where our body is in space. Um, so it's, it's a lovely, lovely system. I remember when we first learned about 
the semicircular canals that are going on on different planes. There was a picture in the textbook of a ballerina. <laughs> and first it showed her doing a demi-plie and she's like going up and down, bending yeah. up and down. And then it showed her doing a spin. So that was this turning. Yes. And then, you know, going, just taking steps forward, taking steps back. And I was like, I will never forget the picture, <laughs> the <laughs> diagram of this ballerina because you just imagine how much input you need in order to do a yeah. couple steps in a dance in a ballet routine yeah. and how you're using all these different planes like yeah you know x y and then z like all the different directions up down forward back and then twirling and and it's so it's it's so integrated so that that ballerina is such a lovely example yeah. of that right um and it, and with that integration uh, it makes it complex um, but it also, again, back to that, that wonderful system where different inputs can have different experiences or often offer different values. Uh, so you don't have to um, tackle the whole system. Um, you can start work uh, simply on the idea of going up and down, you know, so adding that movement. If somebody is very sensitive, if, if their vestibular system is hyperactive and, and signals too quickly, um, then you can, you can start conditioning that system by adding slow patterned movements. Um, so the, the two things that when I do training is rhythm regulates, so getting that rhythm there, but also structure stabilizes. So knowing what is coming, knowing the system, offering stability, before that mobility um, can really help to build that system in a balanced way. I love your alliterations. So rhythm regulates and structure, structure stabilizes. stabilizes. Okay, structure yeah. stabilizes. Because yeah. then you have anticipation and you have learning going yeah. on in that system. Yeah, And it's exactly. like super high order processing coming. It's kind of like up, uh, top down, bottom up, what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like the yeah. rhythm regulation is working upwards. Right. Yep. And then the structure yep. stabilizes would be top down. Yeah. It's so fun. It is so <laughs> I just fun. love learning. It truly <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the, with the, with the spinning, the twirling, the different angles, um, it's interesting doing assessment because you'll often see, um, these, these kids who never get dizzy. You know, I'll put them in a swing and I'll spin them and 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 spin them and, spin them and, spin them and then I'll stop. I'll say, okay, now get up and walk. And they do. <laughs> they, right. You know, they're, they're not dizzy. Their eyes are not moving. There's nothing going on there. And it's like, no wonder you move all the time, right? They, they, their facility system is really not signaling in the way that it should um, mm -hmm. to perceive where the body is. Um, and so adding those movements um, can really help to... Um, build um, that system to be more sensitive as well. I'm thinking about um, neurodiversity. Maybe we can go yeah. in that direction. So I don't know how to segue into that idea. <laughs> yeah, so, well, neurodiversity, I, I mean, it, it's really interesting because we see so many um, interesting processing challenges um, for many different conditions. But for kids who, who have perhaps the symptoms of, a, of a, you know, that are somewhere on the autism spectrum, um, 
they will be trying to stimulate their vestibular systems. That, that's one of the, the, the diagnostic um, keys um, with having the altered movement. So they may be spinning, they may be watching um, a, a spinning uh, uh, ball or, 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 or looking at the, the repetitive movement. Uh, what are those, the flashing strobe lights? Yeah. Is kind? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And so when we dig deeper, um, those are the symptoms that we see. Mm -hmm. When we dig deeper, what it means is that their vestibular system is not firing as it should. And they need that system to be firing in order to process information. So when we start addressing the vestibular system and building its capacity, um, then information processing improves. It's much easier for them um, to start engaging with the world in a way that makes, um, you know, a, a bit more, um, is a bit more typical. Um, what advice do you have for our listeners when when they're listening to all these big high level ideas, but they want to know, you know, today about their kid, what can they do to supercharge and, and really support their child's development in the context of the vestibular auditory visual triad? Yeah. So, well, the first thing is, is as, as much as possible using the eyes, the ears and the vestibular system together. So lots of, lots of playtime, you know, like catching balls, rolling balls, singing, dancing, moving around in space, looking at each other, um, dancing with each other and looking into each other's eyes as you do. So there can be some really fun things um, that you can do, even with a baby, holding them in your arms and you know, dancing like you know you're getting getting the getting the movements to settle a baby we naturally do that we start rocking them and, and mm -hmm. looking at them and and oh it's okay we get the the, the tone the right yeah. um yeah. So, so what you're saying is your professional opinion is that we should play <laughs> yeah absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. the professional opinion is that you should play yeah. face to face move a lot use song use dance be right there with your kids it's a, it's the greatest way to do this and if you have a child that moves a lot or that is floppy um know that their system is telling you something yeah um their their vestibular system needs more information or it needs less information um, and and being able to use structured steady movement to bring that along could be really helpful or allowing them to find their best position um, so if they're if they're reading or having to focus letting them figure it out because their bodies naturally tell them and then you'll get a child who is is learning better and is cooperating a lot more that's wonderful and i think we can all take that advice and even, you know, us as adults, us as parents, like when's the last time that you just put on music and danced for two minutes? Like that, yeah. could, that could be a thing that calms exactly. you down. <laughs> it could, and it, and it does, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially, in, especially in this time right now, you know, where we're dealing with the, the isolation, finding ways to, to use our energy and, and to connect all of the different parts of our body. Thank you so, so much for coming on to the All About Audiology podcast and sharing so much of your enthusiasm, expertise, and encouragement for our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. If, it's a pleasure. If people want to find you or follow you, where can they go? Yeah, so um, the, the, if you need to contact me or want to contact me, best way is by email. So it's michelle at resilienthealth.ca or 
Um, I have a website that is, is just under construction right now. So www.resilienthealth.ca. Excellent. And we'll have all those links in the show notes and uh, full transcripts of all podcasts are also on the website at allaboutaudiology.com. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. Wow. These episodes just get me fired up. I'm so excited about sharing this one with you guys. So tell me what you think about some of the topics we talked about and ways that you can encourage your children's development and their regulation with rhythm and with structure. So have you had interactions with occupational therapy? Does your child get any kind of um, care or treatment therapy like, like that? And have you seen that have an effect? So you guys know the All About Audiology podcast and my beliefs, my passion is that we got to see kids as a whole. And yes, I focus on the hearing and yes, I'm an audiologist, but it's super, super important to me that we look at how your child is functioning and how they're interacting with others, how they're able to learn and also how it's affecting the family's dynamic, you know, children and the sibling interactions, um, what it's like to go to the playground with your kid, right? What does the day-to-day life look like when you're with your kiddo? What are the specific challenges they're dealing with? And also, what are their super strengths that we really want to tap into? So definitely send me an email or contact me through Instagram or Facebook at All About Audiology Podcast, and I can't wait to hear what you thought of this episode. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and you're listening to the All About Audiology podcast.